All right, so we are gonna be heading into roundtable here. Uh, Josh, are you able to share the roundtable slide as well? You bet, just give me one sec, you can start, it'll be there in a minute. Okay, sounds good, then I'll just pull up the questions on my screen. Um, okay, so for roundtable today, we are, the main question that we're asking is, who or what has shaped the way you see or have experienced God or the divine? Uh, and if a shift has happened over time, can you briefly describe what caused it? And what has that shift been? Um, so for me, my brain instantly goes to, and I'm gonna respond, so you all have a chance to think, and then you're all welcome to respond and just unmute yourself or put it in the chat. And my understanding is if you would like to be included as we record this and then it gets posted, if you would like your answer to be included in the post, you have to actually opt in. Otherwise, it just won't be included. So that's how this all works. So as I read these questions with the first one, uh, who or what has shaped how you experience God? my mind instantly went to kind of like all the institutions that I've been a part of and their distinct theology. So whether it's that, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school growing up or when I lived in America, I was at a Pentecostal church and kind of been all over the place in that. Um, but when I actually kind of stopped and thought more beyond just kind of like the structured institutions, um, I realized ultimately it's people who really shapes how I experience God and understand the divine. Um, specifically, summer camp was huge for me. That's kind of where I became a Christian. And I think a huge understanding of mine has always been that like, you come to understand God through community and through other people. And I think camp has been very influential in that understanding. Um, when it comes to shifts, I think it's hard to pinpoint in my life one big distinct shift. Uh, I've seen just a lot of little shifts happening throughout my life, um, whether that's been, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school and my first taste of Christianity was Catholicism. And then I kind of was introduced to the evangelical church and um, even just those natural shifts that occurred when associating with kind of like different structured types of Christian community. Um, but in particular, I think a significant shift happened in how I understand God. Um, it was in my second year of Bible college, so about four years ago. And I didn't have the time to check it on a slide. So hopefully if I hold this all up for you, I have a friend who's really good at art. And we were sitting at, at a table at kind of like a worship night kind of thing. And I had like a lot of heaviness on my heart and understanding God in relationship to God being mother, um, because I don't have a great relationship with my mom. And it's always been very strained throughout growing up. Um, and my friend just happened to be drawing this and it's a mother holding a child Um and we just kind of chatted and we kind of realized, oh, maybe this was for me and I got to keep it. But long story short to all of that. And I still have that photo and used to hang it up in my room. Um, 
kind of understanding that God is so much more diverse than the boxes that we try to put them in. Um, and sometimes we don't like that because we like black and white. Um, but I think I'm continually shifting as I understand God as mother, God as father, God is just God and Jesus. And I don't know, I could really ramble on for a long time about all the different aspects of God that I can come to appreciate. But I would love to hear more about how you've experienced God and understand the divine. So feel free to just unmute or put in the comments. Hopefully that gave you enough time to think because it's it's a deep question that you need to think about. So your turn. Well, you know what? I think I'll just talk. Um, I know for me, uh, what shaped the way that I viewed God was three books that kind of hit all at the same time. And it was uh, More Christ-Like God, The Bible Tells Me So, and Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. And those three, kind of all at about the same time, they just kind of, they did something for me. And the shift that happened was the shift of God being one of the good guys and God being good enough that I didn't have to worry about him. I, I didn't, I, yeah, it was like, I didn't trust him as much as my friends and my wife and, and realizing with a bit of a head shake that like that, that there's something wrong with this picture. And, uh, and so that, that was a major shift for me. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, really great to be here and have a chance to um, lead communion for you. It's definitely out of my especially comfort zone. And my first thought when Eden emailed me was like, no, I can't do this. I'm not the one to do this. Why me? Uh, so, so, but of course, because... I'm a good person who doesn't like to say no. Uh, I knew I had to push on. So uh, I've had a couple of weeks. So that always helps the time to push it off and push it off and push it off. Um, but it really just helped me realize, you know, that I can just come as I am. And that's all that that I need to do. And that um, that this this time is really just between me and Jesus. So that's all I, I have to worry about. And I trust that you will all give me that grace too. <laughs> so we found, um, I found this beautiful words by uh, Father Richard Rohr. It's called The Mystery of the Eucharist, which I'm sure lots of you have read. And it just kind of summarized a lot of what we were both thinking about um, during this process. So um, Damien's going to share a little bit, and then he's going to read it, and then uh, we'll do communion together. Yes, <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning. Um, I would say communion is meaning more to me now than it ever has. Um, I grew up in churches where communion was held the first Sunday of every month. Um, some of you can maybe relate to this. I was instructed to make sure I was ready to partake in the elements 
before taking them, uh, taught that uh, sacraments were, or the sacraments were holy. And then I was to kind of decide, well, am I, am I holy or worthy enough to take these? So that was kind of uh, my experience with it. Um, yeah, it wasn't too personal. Uh, it wasn't too um, intimate, I guess, at times. However, there were times when I, I did feel as I grew to understand why I was taking communion, what it represented, uh, that where I felt more closely in fellowship with God. Um, now, coming to the bridge, I was surprised. I was more than surprised, shocked to experience that uh, I'd be taking communion weekly, not monthly. <laughs> um, and so I want to say, even though we're not in person all the time, um, I'm feeling close to God and I feel uh, a closeness to my bridge family. So, and I'm looking forward, of course, to uh, doing it in person um, as well. So, um, so here's what Richard Rohr has said um, to do with crisis, the bread uh, awaiting hunger by St. Augustine. Um, the Eucharist is telling us that God is the food. Yeah. Okay, I got to start ahead there. Excuse <laughs> me now. Eucharist is presence encountering, <clears throat> encountering presence. It's mutuality. It's vulnerability. There's nothing to prove, to protect, or to sell. It feels so empty, naked, and harmless that all you can do is just be present. The Eucharist is telling us that God is the food and all we have to do is provide the hunger. Somehow we have to make sure that each day we are hungry, that there's room inside of us for another presence. If you are filled with your own opinions, ideas, righteousness, superiority, or sufficiency, you are a world unto yourself and there is no room for another Despite all our attempts to define who is worthy and who is not worthy to receive communion, our only ticket or prerequisite to coming to Eucharist is hunger. And most often sinners are much more hungry than the saints. So uh, leave that with you to ponder. Um, you can even look it up and, and read that again. Um, let's start with the, our bread and Let's partake of, of uh, the body of Christ together. And now if you just grab, grab your, uh, your drink. Uh, this is God's blood. It represents his blood for remission, for remission of sins. Let's take it together. Okay, Dylan. Okay, now we are going to, thanks everyone for your patience and love. Uh, we're going to pray for Greg now. I'm going to pray for Greg as he gets to share with us this morning. So, Lord, we just thank you for having Greg in our community. And we ask that you uh, just bless the words that come from his experience, from his wisdom and his heart. And we ask that you um, create 
curiosity in us today and evoke some good conversation at the end of it. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, welcome, folks. And uh, it's a privilege again to share what uh, has been coming up for me. I trust that everybody can hear me. Making sure that that happens. I'm going to uh, just pull up my notes here and have a get a sense of where we need to be. So I want to think first of all, or at least I've titled my talk, uh, God Winks. And part of where that's coming from is, uh, I think you'll, you'll probably see as we go through. Um, one thing that I've noticed is as we've considered Christ at the center, every story tells his story. Um, you've probably noticed that history can be broken down into his story. And I went, isn't that interesting? Uh, the hidden insight right in that word. Uh, the, his story is history. History written, history of our lives, history of our nation, and uh, so on. Uh, my reflection this morning has been somewhat inspired by a short reading that my wife and I have uh, shared together a few days ago. Um, we often close the day with kind of a, um, a ritual that we share a, a high and a low and we listen to a, a short quote and we pause and then reflect on our day. And uh, so if uh, I could have that quote by... Uh, Richard pop up. That would be great. Um, Richard um, Wagamese is a First Nations uh, writer. He's passed away not too long ago. But uh, this is what he said in this short quote. Like most of us do, I spend a lot of time trying to compress things into a context I could accept. It was hard work. It meant I was alone most of the time. Nowadays, I think life is pretty simple. Creator is everywhere. And divine light is shining through everything and everyone all the time. My work is to look for the right, uh, for the light in those fleeting and glorious instances. When I see it, I am more right then, right there. Um, let's just read that again. <clears throat> like most of us, I spend a lot of time trying to compress things into a context I could accept. It was hard work. It meant I was alone most of the time. But nowadays, <clears throat> life is pretty simple. Creator is everywhere. And divine light is shining through everything and everyone all the time. My work is to look for that light, and in those fleeting and glorious instances, when I see it, I am made more. Right then, right there. 
well, that was on the evening. When I woke up in the morning, I had this, I'm going to use the word epiphany, this aha moment. Um, interesting, I didn't even really understand fully what epiphany meant until I began looking at this. But broken down simply, it's just kind of one of those in everyday life, something pops up and you kind of go, wow, I didn't see that before. I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm waking up the next morning after sleeping on this quote. And I had this strange thought. How do I imagine God? How do I imagine the creator of the universe? Do I see a man? Do I see a body? Uh, do I see a form? How do I how do I talk to this creator? How do I relate to him? And I'm wondering what has been our history of perceptions? What has been my perception? Maybe you can relate to this, but as a child, we're often uh, told a lot of things, told a lot of stories, and we wonder, um, or at least, at least that's my awareness anyway, is have those things kind of settled into us and without even knowing it, they've shaped the way we see God. Here's a little song you might remember. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And it talks about ears. It talks about uh, your tongue, what you say, ears, what you hear, hands, what you do, feet, where you go, um, heart, what you trust. Um, Mind what you think. And it's interesting that for me, when I heard the word be careful, it was like, I'm watching you. Are you being naughty or nice? I'm watching to see what you're doing wrong, not necessarily what you're doing right. And it's interesting, well, how did I pick that negativism up? And it's like, wow, that has been so much of my experience of, oh, as soon as someone, God's watching you. Oh, he's not watching me for what I'm doing right. He's watching me for what I'm doing wrong so I can be punished or I can be tripped up in some way. I'm wondering, has that been something that you've experienced? I had an interesting uh, um, story pass through, and it was about a, a missionary that uh, had a glass eye. And I'm not sure if you can see this uh, little ball I've got here, but let's consider this as um, a glass eye. And this missionary had only one eye, and he had this uh, glass eye. 
And the story goes that to keep his workers working while he was on a trip into town, he would pop out his glass eye and sit it on a post. And then he would say to the folks, keep working, my eye is on you. And I went, wow. Every time they turned around, they would see this eye looking at them and they'd get back to work. And they'd be working hard until he came back and then he'd pop his eye back into his head and the way he would go. Is that how we see God? I never heard it put in a positive way that I can remember of it anyway. How about this? I'm watching over you. Be careful. You're never alone. You have a friend that loves you and will never leave you. One who is for you always and forever. It took a long time for that to settle in. And today I think it's still work to hear that side of our God. But what would it be like to see God, the triune God, as love, goodness, joy, peace, the presence of all power and all might? What if this God that we imagine has no boundaries or limits? to stop any flow of divine expression and essence. What if the image of God is so expansive and free that it permeates everything and everyone? And it's interesting that it seems like it's hard to get my mind around it. But here's, here's the, the good part. God and the expression of Jesus and the spirit, there's this continuing uh, relationship that they have with each other. And so God, this image of God then that's expansive and free, he's in a relationship with two others. And they decide they want to join, have others join them in this great threesome. This group of three, and as they know each other so well, they decide to create something so immensely beautiful. This is a great big dream. And you've probably guessed it, that that's, that is the picture of the Trinity. Three, the same and yet different, inviting us into that picture. So they, in their greatness and great love, do something very unique. And it's interesting we have the creation story. The account of their activities, it's recorded in, uh, in, in, the gener- in the creation account. And it's all good and everything is good and beautiful. It's all around us. It's in us and it's flowing out through us. Just read a quote here by uh, Sally McFay on a book that she wrote called The Body of God. And she said, creation, she she calls actually creation uh, the body of God. 
It's part of God. It points to God. It gives us insight into God. It reflects God. So think about that. Everything and everyone that is created is a part of this body of God. Wow. That, that opens it up, doesn't it? So love has created, love has set life in motion. And if you can enjoy it with me, God winks. He shows us very quickly, minutely in many ways, the beauty. It's like he winks and says, look at that. Look at that. So creation happens and everything is good and very good. Within this creation, it's like uh, the life cycle. And so there's a, a living and a dying and a resurrecting. There's an animal kingdom, plant kingdom, human kingdom. And it's as if there's a emotion that uh, is all around what he does. So we live in a time where this is happening all around us and it's unbelievable how, how many things change so quickly. But it's interesting how mankind was getting, <clears throat> the way I'm seeing it anyway, mankind was <clears throat> getting the wrong idea about everything. And so this essence of love and wisdom could see that we needed or that our need for choice and all the possibilities that would come because of our choices, there was a lot of questions that need to be answered. And so to protect the creation of love, created out of the overflow of love for love, the question is asked, who will go and show them the way that it truly is? The time has come to put all things considered from the beginning into place. And one of them said, yes. I will go and take on human form and reveal who we really are. Interesting enough, a well thought out plan, a seed, a, a womb, a woman, a man, a place, a people group, a culture. There was an announcement made. Do not be afraid. How many different people heard that announcement? And then Jesus arrives. I think God winks on the universe, unique and timely. Angels were making announcements before, during, and after. This investment of divine outpouring of love was going to be looked after and protected no matter what they faced. Poets tried to write about it and describe it. Prophets tried to journal about it and get a sense of what was unfolding. Pictures were being drawn to capture what word and language, uh, um, yeah, what word and language 
uh, could possibly be a part of it. Here is another interesting thought that came to me. God winks. Get this. God created man out of the dirt, the earth. Then later, woman is made out of the rib of a man. Then, forevermore, man and woman come from the womb of the woman. God winks. Get this. Man needs to be humbled. And every woman needs to look and see God winking at them. I've got this covered. You are the womb of the earth. It's from you that everything comes forth, humanly speaking. I would not be here if it wasn't for my mom. And so this wink of God, can you see it? For the most part, we get the Father, Son, and the Spirit is somewhat mystery. But this will need to change as well, because there is so much more to it. But for now, let's start there. So this epiphany, this aha moment, begins with an everyday occurrence or experience. Then you get very excited. Something happens. Oh, this is what it means, and so much more. And so it continues until we get overwhelmed, and then we have to fall back and just rest in it for a while. What I thought I knew before is nothing like it really is. What can I do but keep letting go? Last week, Katrina spoke a lot about just letting go. I need to let, let, let go of what I thought. And start with new thoughts and add what it's and add what it is in front of me, being present to what now is, not what it was in the past. We're certainly living in some crazy times right now, challenges on every side, our freedoms, friendships, our workplaces, relationships, they're all being uh, tested. But what am I and what am I going to do about it? There's an interesting uh, text in Zephaniah chapter 3. And if Tara, if you would, or someone would put that text up. Um, there's an interesting picture of the creation or the creator from Zephaniah. I'm going to read the, uh, the first three verses there. Zephaniah 3:14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, all ye Israel. Rejoice, daughter. And exult with all your heart, the daughter of Jerusalem. The judge of all flesh has taken away the judgments against you and has turned away your enemies, daughter. The sovereign of Israel, creator of the heaven and earth, is in your midst. Daughter, no longer shall you fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak, daughter. The ageless one, your God, is in your midst, daughter. A warrior who will deliver salvation, who will rejoice over you with gladness, Daughter, God will renew you in love. 
daughter. God will exalt over you, daughter, with loud singing. Wow, it's a new day. Women have a place in the heart of the divine picture of love. The suppression is replaced with encouragement and strength. The creator of heaven and earth is with you, rejoicing over you with great love, delight, singing, dancing. And in my picture, throwing parties. Christ is at the center of it all, restoring our hearts and our minds to the truth of who we really are. God's wink. I wonder how we are doing in this revelation of Christ's character. A faithful lover of our soul, we read about in Psalms. Ready to hear and listen without judgments, open arms, and receiving all that we are, broken, weary, fearful, but we're received with open arms, with great love and laughter. An interesting um, picture of, of this Jesus is in the Gospel uh, of Mark, verses 1 to 29 to 39, Mark 1, 29 to 31. And Jesus is visiting the home of Simon. Simon and Andrew are staying in a home, and Simon's mother-in-law is in bed sick. Or at least she has a fever. Jesus, being who he is, takes her by the hand, helps her up, and the fever is gone. She begins to serve her guests. Pure love, pure care. It's all poured out in this person of Jesus. What has been your experience of Christ's love? We know in a creation story, of course, there's so much more interaction. But how does it become personal for us? What are those epiphanies, those aha moments, those fleeting and momentary insights? In that uh, reading of Richard uh, Wagonese, our work is to look for the light, those moments, those um, fleeting moments, those spontaneous times when God shows up for us. How does your history reveal his story, Christ's story in you? Have you heard <laughs> the divine say to you, I've got this. Leave it with me. If I can, let me share with you a couple of aha moments for me. A number of years ago, I think it was uh, around the year 2000. Very memorable. Um, it, it, it did such a, um, an about turn for me. I was at a conference and the 
some of the opening lines from the speaker. He made this comment. He said, most of the things I'm going to tell you this weekend is my opinion. There's a few things that I'm not, I, I won't ever change, but everything else is purely my opinion. And we can ask a question about any of the things, um, if you like. And for me, that was one of those aha moments. Really? But if everything that you're going to be teaching us is your opinion, everything that I've been telling people to is purely only my opinion. What makes me think that I have the final answer? That shifted things uh, monumentally for me. And uh, it still causes me to uh, go, wow, that was a that was a life changer. There is another time where um, I had made some really poor decisions about a, a big job that I took on, and it was uh, falling down around me. And I went out and uh, began pacing having a heart-to-heart -heart talk with whoever was about to listen. And I heard, I guess in my, in my head or in my heart, the response from my loving God, you got yourself into this mess and you think you're going to get yourself out? Huh. I was stopped in my tracks. Unbelievable. Yes, I got myself into this and how was I gonna get myself out? Another one of those times where unbelievable, God showed up and in a very loving and passionate way said, you can't do this by yourself. I went, wow. So can we find those places where, as I'm thinking about it, God's wink was there. Are you listening? I'm for you. Listen. And so in closing, our work really is is to catch those God wings, catch those fleeting and momentary glorious moments where we see Christ's reflection of love and we're being transformed. Yes, it's, it's hard to make shifts. Yes, it's hard to let go of things, but what do we really want? Do you want the best that he has for us? Or do you want just the status quo? I'm trusting that uh, we can share pictures, gifts, family, uh, a friend or a song that shifted us in a way that um, causes us to remember the goodness of God. Thanks for listening.
Thanks, Greg. Um, that, was, that was really good. <clears throat> I, um, I had a penny drop there. And uh, I'll, I'll share how that was for me. Um, I just want to open up to gallery for... Um, so in two, uh, I'll make this, even though I'm starting with a number, it's not a bad sign. I can really keep this short. Um, in 2017, in January, 2017, Brad and I were on a trip uh, to visit friends in South Africa. And while we were there, uh, I got an email from Dean Richmond. So for those of you who are new enough in the last year that you don't know who Dean is, um, Dean and Janine were the lead pastors at the bridge um, until just about a year ago. And, um, and he, was, uh, he was asking, would I consider uh, speaking at the bridge one Sunday morning? I didn't belong to the bridge. I was at another church. And, um, and I, I felt this really deep groan in me, like, just like, oh. And, um, and in that minute, I, I heard this voice, just, Eden, no one wants to hear from you. Just sit down and shut up. And I didn't even tell Brad about this email and this request because I just thought, uh, nope those days are over. And uh, we went to a restaurant a couple days later. Um, and this beautiful Ugandan woman was serving us. And um, I had some questions about the menu, which I don't usually do. I just kind of pick something and I'm, I'm not one of those people who needs to have questions answered about the food they're going to eat. And um, she... I was asking some questions and then she just stopped me in the middle of this little conversation we were having. And she said, you know, you have such a beautiful voice. I could listen for hours. You should have a radio show and I would listen to it all afternoon. And I was like, so I didn't, I didn't let anything on because, of course, I was holding all of this in my heart, right? I, I was still listening to the other voice, and I hadn't responded to Dean yet. And so um, she left the table, and I fessed up to my little story behind the scenes that I'd been holding for two or three days. And, of course, my friends started laughing. And I now realized, like, this was a God wink, right? He's like oh yeah, this is what you're believing. This is what you've got spinning in your head, but this is some truth. So she came back to the table and our friend Peter said, um, could you tell us your name? And she said, oh yeah, my mom named me Blessing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is just a little too obvious now. So I mean, so of course I said yes to the invitation uh, in March of 2017 to share at the bridge. And I was not a person going to the bridge, nor did I think I was going to be, I wasn't looking for a church. 
but now it's 2022 and I'm here and I, <laughs> thank you, Sarah, someone clap <laughs> and Clausen's. Okay. You guys are all on the good list now. Um, yeah, I just, I, I see it like the wink just kept winking and, uh, and it, that just dropped while you were talking, Greg, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And um, it just feels like crazy that um, God would care about a little lie I was telling myself enough to go to that kind of lengths to uh, set that right and speak truth. Using a woman from Uganda in South Africa where we had traveled to, which is a far ways away. And all of those things came together and it just felt like a big wink. I took the time that I wanted to. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah.